Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Happy International Women's Day as we continue our Oscar Week celebration of past female winners ahead of the 95th Annual Academy Awards on Sunday night. Jessica Chastain is the reigning Best Actress champ, though she should have won a decade earlier for Zero Dark Thirty. We spoke in 2016 when she visited Washington, D.C. to promote her political thriller, Miss Sloan. Jessica, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Hello, Jason. We, this is awesome. I think you're one of the greatest actors, if not the best, going today. So this is a treat for WTOP. Are you kidding me? This is awesome. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. I should have been on the show earlier. Yeah, you should have. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're going to say stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so uh, this movie, uh, I just got out of another room with John Madden, the director, Shakespeare in Love and everything else. Um, and uh, he said he had you in mind the second he was reading the script. So he, like, pictured you while he was reading it. So that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um what was it for you? I mean, uh, did you picture yourself the first time you read it? Or did you read it in one sitting? You know, what was that first read like? Yeah, I definitely. I mean, it was sent to me with, uh, you know, questioning my interest if I wanted to play the, the character. So, of course, when I started reading it, I was like, let's see how, how this character lives in my brain. And um, I found her to be so exciting because she really challenges the status quo and... Uh, and we're not used to seeing women like this on screen. I mean, we're now seeing, seeing uh, really ambitious and prepare, over-prepared women that are one step ahead of everyone else uh, in politics. And, and I'm hoping now we'll, we'll start to see it more in the media. It goes with the times a little bit. Yeah, yeah You're mirroring that a little bit. All right. Um, awesome. So um, what was it like when, uh, after you read it, you agreed to do it and, and you spoke with, with John? Because I know you guys have worked together before, right? The dead. Um, what was it like working with him second time versus first time? Now that you guys know each other's, you know, how, how you work, <laughs> what was uh, that relationship like this time, second yeah. time around? Well, it was great. I mean, it was great, great both times. Uh, the difference was this. We made this movie... With, with very little money and um, a lot of dialogue. So even before we came on set, we were talking about the pace of the film and how quick it had to go, how quick quickly we, we would need to film the scenes. We wouldn't have a lot of time, a lot of takes. Uh, and I, I honestly, I, I knew from the beginning I was going to need to show up with the dialect the dialogue cold in my in my brain and have it down. Um, Why was that? Why weren't there going to be a lot of takes? Just budget-wise, yeah. Money, money, money. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was more of a... I think we were both super panicked when we were on set, but I wouldn't wanted to do this film with anyone else because uh, I trust him so much. He started out, 
as a acting teacher at Yale, and uh, he has he's so nurturing to be on a set with, and you feel like you can kind of just do whatever, and he's gonna uh, prevent yourself. He's gonna prevent me from looking stupid, you know, <laughs> which is great for someone to know when you're doing something like this. Is that the main thing you look for in a director? <laughs> Keep them from looking Please stupid? Please don't make me look stupid. <laughs> yes, let's work together. Awesome. Uh, no, no, no. I, I look for people who um, are nurturing. I, I like having a good time on set, and I, I like directors that collaborate with actors, and, and we create the character together, and I felt I definitely did that with John. So let you bring something to it, not nail you down to a certain preconceived idea. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, as I was watching the movie and I heard the line, there's even a piece of dialogue that says uh, something about tradecraft, and I was like, perfect, that's there you go, <laughs> you're dark 30. Um, so th but I bring that up because uh, this isn't your first time playing sort of one of these Washington, Washington <laughs> types. Um, it's different, though. It's cool. You, like, you bring us into realms that we as viewers might not know. In that case, it was you know the intelligence side and this kind of taste. It's the lobbying side of these mm -hmm. But compare the, those two roles and sort of how you approach, because they're similar but very different worlds. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw Maya in Zero Dark Thirty. She has some immaturity to her. And um, when she goes up against a, a wall, she'll just break it down. You know, she doesn't, she, there's nothing about Maya that was political <laughs> or smooth talking. She didn't play well with others and she didn't care that she didn't play well with, with others. Sloane, uh, even though she does things that you question, um, while, while, you know, she sees people sometimes as collateral damage, she's a very smooth talker. There's a scene, in fact, where you see her with a senator and she's, you know, Talk, smooth talk at him to get him to vote. So there's a lot of laughing and smiling, and she knows how to play the game in a way that Maya doesn't. Also, with Sloan, I saw it as this um, study of addiction. And just like someone can be addicted to drugs or sex or food or whatever it is, Sloan is addicted to the high. And the more impossible the, high, the, the win, the, uh, the bigger the high. Does that play into the, you know, the... The, you mentioned the addicted to the high, but you're also addicted to these pills. Do they sort of complement each other? Almost like a, I don't want to say like a fear of missing out, but do you know what I mean? Like you, you always want to be awakened. You always want to, you know, win. You, you don't feel like you don't want to ever be out of the game. Exactly. I, I think for, for Elizabeth, the pills feed the bigger addiction. And her bigger addiction is winning. She just has to win, has to win. And so when she takes on in this film, it's the unwinnable <laughs> uh, client and um, so that's it just makes her work even harder and actually become more self-destructive well it was maybe unwinnable to you but you want us over so ah. okay. um, so when you're in um, uh, but um, but um, but um psh, yeah, well, come on you guys gotta have the drum <laughs> just sitting there no. um, awesome early on you have that you know let, let's go to, sort of go into you know the, the gun control side of, of oh. this conversation because um, that's what it deals with a lot. Um, you know, early on you have that scene where, where you're going in and, and you, you, your reputation precedes you to these guys and they're like, mm -hmm. we want you to represent, you know, we want to turn women. it into women that can defend themselves. And you kind of have that look. How do you, how do you get that look on your face? Because it's perfect. It's like, <laughs> it's like, are these guys serious? And then you bust out laughing too. But how do you keep that control and then burst out the laugh? Honestly, I think it's all the research of reading the paper every day <laughs> and seeing what's going on right now. And it's, it's fascinating to me because 
especially this current political election, there's so much discussion about women and women's votes. And you see the map of what the election would look like if the 19th Amendment was never passed and what it looks like now. And I think for me, just uh, being a woman, it doesn't take a lot of research to imagine what it's like to be in a room um, full of people who are maybe from another era. That's true. And have an yeah. old-fashioned mentality. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think you have a line in there that says, um, my position on this solidified between Columbine and Charleston. And when, when, when I heard that, I was like, that's probably a lot of people. And just, it's almost like what's in the elliptical, Sandy Hook and Virginia Tech. There's just so much in between there. Um, and it was interesting hearing John's side of it as someone from across the pond, mm. almost like, what are those Americans, you know? What do they do? <laughs> um, but, you know, but there are, you know, I grew up in a rural area, too, and, you know, there are people that like to hunt and fish and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And we, it's great, whatever, personal protection, whatever. But how do, we, how do we reach people that maybe are of that mindset um, to think that, you know, hey, there are some common sense things we can do, and what might be some of those things in your mind? This is a really difficult question for me to ask because yeah. it really isn't my training, yeah. my study, you know. Um, I think the interesting thing about this film is it takes the gun debate and uses it as an example of how the political system is broken. It could be the climate change debate. It could be so much uh, that we then look at and say, okay, why is it so difficult to get a bill passed? And you realize it's because senators and congressmen instead of focusing on representing the people and maybe what a majority may want, their focus is the fundraisers, sometimes three fundraisers every day. Their focus is keeping their seat in office. And I think that is a discussion that we all need to have as a country. Also, what's really interesting about this film is that it's a bipartisan bill. And I think the, the way to make any change, whether it be like the gun debate, climate change, whatever it is, it, we, it has to be a, a bipartisan effort. We can't uh, stay on, on either sides of the aisle anymore. Right. Yeah, so a lot of people hear lobbyists. It's, the word's thrown a lot, around a lot, but a lot mm. of people might not know exactly what goes on. Um, what, was there anything that sort of surprised you or that you learned by diving into this that you said, oh, wow, that really goes on? Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I didn't really know much about lobbyists at all. I read Jack Abramoff's book. <laughs> You've been in a couple lobbies in your day. Exactly. <laughs> I was in a lobby. Um, um, Some revolving doors, <laughs> so you basically knew everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and um, I mean, I was surprised by, I mean, what he he did and how he was able to connect his clients with politicians and go on trips together and have a lot of money exchange change hands uh, in that, which is really kind of just buying votes, in my opinion. I know that uh, it's been changed, but I still see, you know, when I came to D.C., I could see some loopholes. You know, I, I met with, with a bunch of people, with a bunch of lobbyists, and I could see situations that I thought, hmm, there's some moral ambiguity to this. Uh, and I don't think it's the lobbyists. I think it's really the political system that right now isn't working great. Yeah. Do you have a favorite scene in the movie that you think when you look back on set, you said, because you, you said you didn't have that many takes, but mm. was there one that like, oh, that was it? 
He gave a little goosebump. I Robert Duvall said he had a goosebump theory just talked to him yesterday. Oh, really? yesterday. He said like in Mockingbird he got goosebumps when he walked up to Jem's bed with Atticus and everything around. Right? Yeah. Oh, so wow. was there any like goosebump moment for you? You know, I honestly I was in such a panic with this movie because uh, it was my I, I mean the I would finish all day on set, be exhausted, and spend a couple hours trying to memorize the next day's work. I mean, I really liked filming the debate scene with uh, Michael Stolberg. I loved that scene. So maybe that's probably my favorite. Awesome. How do you do the, the you know, pill-popping, no-sleep thing? <laughs> did you just not sleep, or did you just drink a lot of coffee, or to get hopped up, or, like, what, what was the actual preparation for that? Well, in real life, I'm super healthy, uh, and I don't even drink coffee, which uh. is Crazy. What? I know. Like right now, I have, this is a cup of chamomile tea oh, wow. in my hands. So you're acting. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm acting in this movie. Isn't wow. that crazy? Jessica Chastain, <laughs> breaking news with those two. <laughs> no, I'm really, I just, I try to live as healthy as possible. I, you know, I mean, it's kind of boring stuff. I'm vegan. I, you know, don't drink coffee. I, I try to stay very healthy, get a good night's sleep. So when I show up for work, I can be very present. How do you pick your roles? Because you've had such a range. I mean, from like the Tree of Life to Dark Thirty to this to Interstellar and your other space movie, The Martian yeah, and Disappearance of Eleanor Rigby. God, like you have so many great roles. Um, the help. Don't forget the help. Uh, how do you pick them? Like, what do you look for when you? You know, I like characters that challenge the status quo. I just like that. Maybe there's some part of me. I'm, Maybe I have a rebel heart, you know? <laughs> uh, even if there's, you know, like with the help, there's something about her that she did, yeah, absolutely. She cha challenged the status quo in 1960 um, Mississippi. So I, I, I find that really inspiring. I just did a movie about Catherine Weldon. Um, it's a true story of, of her friendship that she had with Sitting Bull in 1889. And that's 30 years before women had the right to vote. And she, they, there was this great friendship that they had in this time when the country was being formed, and these two groups didn't really have voices in the nation. Yeah. Well, it's a shame they don't do it like the old days where they would give Oscars for, you know, a, a, a totality of the year. I know, like, oh. early on in, like, the 20s they would do that. Because, um, yeah, man, come on, 2011 you would have had it with the help <laughs> and, and Tree of Life. Or did, 2013, you had, like, three great roles, most violently, mm -hmm. yeah, whatever. Um, maybe they'll bring that back around. But um, I know we're probably getting close to the clock. Do you mind if we end with a little rapid fire, right, throw out some, some I, I thought you were actually going to say, do you mind if we end with a little rap? And I was going to oh. be like, yes, Go, I do. do I really mind because do you want, oh. I am not <laughs> Come someone on. who has, this is not in my You're not Lin-Manuel Miranda? <laughs> <laughs> Can't just bust it out? Bust out my Hamilton You're moves. not throwing away your shot? <laughs> <laughs> of tea. Um, okay, cool. Um, yeah, like, we do this a lot of times when we get people here, like Spike Lee did it and he was great. Just go, I'll throw out a movie that you've done. And, okay. And uh, it doesn't have to be a one-word answer, but just, it could be a phrase, but first thing you think of. Oh, this could be really dangerous. Is it? I don't know. I mean, have you ever had any controversy from this on your show? Um, yeah, it was right now, I think. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's but do it. it's pre-taped, it. so we're good. All, All right. right. I got a rebel heart. Let's do it. <clears throat> rebel heart, exactly. All right. The help. <laughs> I'm terrible at this game. <laughs> That's the first thing that's in my head. I need some help. All right. Yeah, okay. Um, it can be a phrase, a memory of okay, the director, okay. or I'm just trying to give you some ideas. All right, all right. All right. The help. Drinking moonshine in Mississippi. Awesome. Tree of life. Um, playing tag with three boys. Nice. 
Um, Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, Kicking ass. <laughs> I'm the mother blank that got Bin Laden. Um, disappearance of Ed- Eleanor Rigby. Oh, um, super de- depressed in New York. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else we got? Interstellar. Oh, Interstellar. Saving the world one equation at a time. Nice. A most violent year. Um, JC. Yeah, emasculating Oscar Isaac every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? I know we're leaving something out. The Martian. The Martian. Um, if it wasn't for me, Matt Damon would still be in Mars. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and still on a World War II battlefield. Everyone's saving Matt Damon. <laughs> um, Miss Sloan. Miss Sloan. Oh, God. Bringing it full circle. Bringing it full circle. Miss Sloan now working for... Wait, no, I can't say that. Sorry. Um, and I can't get too political because it's terrible. Uh, Miss Sloan. Um, changing the world one pantsuit at a time. Nice. And I forgot Crimson Peak. Oh, Changing okay. the world one something <laughs> else at a time. One cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I would probably just say, don't worry, dear, drink your tea. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. <laughs> Jessica, thanks so much. It's an honor. Honestly, not since Jodie Foster has someone killed the monster in the night vision, like uh, Zero Dark Thirty, like you. Are you connecting it to Silence of the Lambs? Yes, I'm just Very saying. Clever. I'm just saying. You're right up there with Jodie's in the best. So oh, thanks, thanks so much. Man. Everyone go see Miss Sloan. Thank you so much. Right. Such a pleasure. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. We spoke again in 2017 during the release of her World War II drama, The Zookeeper's Wife. Tell them this awesome story. You're almost like an Oscar Schindler at a zoo in a way. Like, <laughs> explain, explain this awesome story. Yeah, this is a true story um, recently, uh, um, just kind of discovered, um, based on the best-selling novel, The Zookeeper's Wife, uh, about Antonina and Jan Zabinska, um, who sacrificed their safety, the safety of their children, everything that they held dear to save the lives of hundreds of people in World War II. They smuggled people, Jews, out of the ghetto, and Antonina um, would hide them um, at the zoo 
And not only did she save their lives, but she bolstered spirits and fostered hope. And it really is a story about the goodness in humankind. Wow. And this is in Warsaw, Poland in like 19, what is it, 45 It starts um 39, so okay. it goes throughout the war. Oh, throughout the whole war. Okay, wow. I mean, if that's not hooked you already, I mean, it's crazy when you're watching the movie and then it gets to the end <laughs> and you find, you know, that you see the picture of the real life people and find it's a true story. It's, It'll give you goosebumps just knowing that for sure. Um, when did you hear about it? Did you read the book or did you? Well, they sent me the script okay. and that was the first time I started to get to know their story and I googled them and then um, I read the book which was so so illuminating for me and then I went to Warsaw and met with Teresa Antonina's daughter who's still alive oh really mm. oh wow what insights did you get from her did she you know did you look at old photo albums or you know yeah. what, what is that whole situation like she showed me a lot of pictures and we were at the zoo because the Warsaw Zoo is still standing it wasn't destroyed in World War II. One of the few things in Warsaw that wasn't destroyed. The house and the villa is still there that they lived in. Um, the basement where they hid everyone in the tunnels are still there. And she, I just asked her questions about her mom. She, one thing that was really surprised me, she told me her whole life she never saw her mother in a pair of pants. Really? Yeah, she was taking care of all these animals like in these very feminine dresses. and Very and different time. Very different time. <laughs> But so you got? Did you get like an actual tour? You see the you saw the tunnels and everything. Oh yeah, and yeah, you could still go to the villa and see all of that. Oh my gosh! Is it like the movie where there's there's drawings um, on the walls? There's no drawings no? Right. on the wall. <laughs> is that creative license or that, is, oh, that okay, was okay. a Nikki Nikki Carr director? Her visual way of telling the story. And Tanina, um, while she was hiding people, created an atmosphere of love and music and art. Yeah. And so that was Nikki's way of demonstrating that. Now, are you are you a big animal lover yourself? I'm obsessed with animals. So I like the beginning of the movie. More than people. <laughs> Why is it? Well, they are much easier. They're more reliable. They're just they're more authentic. They don't lie to you. They don't manipulate. They're so pure in their love and in their emotions. And I wish people were a little bit more like that. Yeah, it is a little hard to watch. In the early scenes, it's worth watching for the rest of it, but watching the, the animals, you know, when the when the bombs start dropping at first, it's it's heartbreaking. I don't know mm -hmm. how you don't just choke up on set, but no animals were harmed in the making of this. Definitely not. <laughs> um, sort of relate how your character, you know, moves from that and how caretaking for all these animals almost primes her perfectly to to take on her new, let's say, larger role of uh, of helping, you know, hide all these refugees. Well, Antonina believed all living creatures were valuable and miracles. So um, she understood the healing power of animals. For me, like my dog, and I'm sure you probably noticed this yeah. too, if you're feeling sad, your dog is the first one there. <laughs> it senses it, and it like wants to be around you and make you feel better. Um, and an animals do. They're very pure. They There's this unspoken language, and they can just feel your feelings. Um, so yeah, she was able to use her gift with animals, and she got through animals. She got to learn more about the human animals. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good word for us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, talk about working with Daniel Bruhl. Some of those scenes. So if you guys haven't seen it yet, he plays sort of the antagonist on the side of the Third Reich. Who um, you you sort of let him go along, letting him think that you're working with him, um, so that you can hide um, these Jews right under his nose in in the zoo. Um, so um, talk about acting those scenes. Well, he's a brilliant a actor, Daniel Bruhl, and um, 
it's tough because you know Antonina is very pure herself. She doesn't lie and she doesn't manipulate. Right. So and she also sees the good in everyone. She sees the good in his character. And at the end, she even says, "I know you. You are not like this. Right. This is some uniform or some wave of power, but this is not who you are." Uh, and in the in most of the scenes with Heck, I think she's just trying to use honesty um, to help her cause without blatantly lying to him. She's not trying to seduce him. She's not being this femme fatale, um, you know, to make him fall in love with her. Um, And there is one embrace. The first time it gets a little sketchy is um, she embraces him, but in doing so, she's trying to cover his ears. Yes. And we won't explain why, but it's it's a specific moment where she's like, oh, I have to do this to, to save someone else. It's, yeah. it's really great. Talk about working with the director, with Nikki. Nikki Caro is a fantastic director. Um, she, I don't know if you're familiar with this movie. She made Whale Ride. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Beautiful film. She's yeah. very earthy. A couple years ago, right? Yeah. 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 So she's in, incredible. Um, really spiritual, earthy, strong like super sexy, like she'd be on set with her all black outfits and sunglasses and like really an incredible kick-ass lady. And a couple of really good visual moments for her in this. It's, I, I think of the scene where you walk out and there's like the ashes falling everywhere, which mm-hmm. I remember, and the, is it snowing? Or, and I mean, I thought of I thought of Schindler. Remember that scene in Spielberg where the ashes are falling down too and they think it's snowing. But she, uh, a nice visual director for her. There's a yeah. couple of really nice moments like that. In and incredible, one of my favorite moments in the, the film in speak, goes along with the theme of what does it mean to be in a cage because the Warsaw Ghetto is a cage. Right. And there's a, a scene where some people outside of the ghetto are on a date or whatever and they snap a selfie outside with the with the people suffering behind them, behind the bars. And that, to me, was very, uh, a, a strong visual. Because also, I went to Auschwitz um, in preparation for this film, and I felt so kind of disturbed by all this selfie snapping. and oh, that, That's that just mind-blowing. That yeah. Our culture is now, with, with these devices, like, and to think what actually went there. And yeah, there we are, are, just taking a selfie with it. Exactly. Things are becoming tourist attractions instead of actually really understanding where am I right now? What happened? It wasn't that long ago. It really isn't. To that point that it's not that long ago, what's the importance then of making a movie like, what was it, Rachel Weisz, in, in denial or, or this? You know, why is it important to keep telling these stories? And remember that let's not let this happen again. We're right down the street from the Holocaust Museum. Right? Exactly. Well, it's important because you learn from history. That's how you, you know, even as our individuals, we learn from our individual history. It's how we avoid making the same mistake over and over again. So even if you weren't alive in the past, it's important to learn what society did, what your country was involved in. You know, um, and Frank's family was denied a visa to the United States twice. It's required reading um, in schools. For me, I, I was required to read Anne Frank's diary, and I was so happy to read her journal, but I didn't learn, and the teacher didn't say that she was denied entry into my country. And this little girl who was searching for safety um, from violence, we didn't protect her. It's heartbreaking when you find that out. heartbreaking, and we need to know that. Children need to learn that when they're reading this book. Because we're all Americans, and it's we're responsible now for her life mm-hmm. um, and for for her death. Uh, so it's important to learn how we behaved in history and how we can how we're behaving today and how um, where we're heading in the future. Well, I love that you're not afraid to shy away from these roles that you know they they can be 
tough to talk about. It'd be nice if we come near and we're just laughing, at it, and she can do that too. But but there, you take on heavier roles, like and, and your previous one, Miss um, Sloan. We talked to you, um, took on you know gun rights and 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 trying to get through a gun control bill. Um, congrats on the the Golden Globe nomination for that, right? Thank you yeah. very much. What was that whole experience like? That must have been crazy. It was so cool. I love going to the Golden Globes. There's there. It's a really fun party. Everyone's <laughs> there, like hanging out, laughing. I got to sit next to my girl Octavia Spencer. So fun. You know, we work together on the help, mm-hmm. and whenever we see each other, we're always, you know, usually people don't sit us next to each other because we end up talking the whole time. But <laughs> we can't shut them up. <laughs> <laughs> but we were really happy. Speaking of, it's funny you mentioned that. So you and Octavia are, are sitting there. So she won for the help, obviously. But then you're sitting there watching this year's Oscars, and Viola, Viola wins, and Emma. And Emma. It's like the just being in the movie in, in the help with you wins them Oscars. What, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I have anything to do with that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were so all cool. make we all made that movie. We were all unknowns, you yeah. know. I mean, Bryce was a a big actress because yeah. she had done those Marvel films. I sure. think like Spider Man and and she you know The Village and all those incredible performances. Mm-hmm. And Emma had done Easy A, but she was still just kind of breaking out. Yeah. Um, and we were like Octavia, Viola, myself. I you know. Um, we were all really excited to be yeah. part of that film. I mean, you could see that about a lot of your movies. With you know, uh, you know, even Zero Dark Thirty, you had Joel Edgerton and Chris Pratt and all those guys, and, and, and Jason Clark, all those guys, yeah. and you. I mean, all they're all you're all huge, huge stars now. Um, they're giving me the the signal, so we have to wrap up soon. But I wanted to see if we could end similar to we did last time. Okay. Last time we did a rapid fire, and I threw out the names of your of your films, and you had hilarious answers for me. Well, I mean, it was like it's just like one you know, one word answers. But I wanted to see almost like a newlywed game off of yourself. See if you say the same answer as last time. Because I'm probably had so much energy last time, and I've been. This is the end of a long press tour, so you were drinking chamomile tea, so you were a little more. I don't know if you were oh. caffeinated or not, though. So okay, I don't know. We'll see. All right, the help. Love. You said drinking moonshine in Mississippi. Funny how that changes. <laughs> Tree of life. Um, butterfly. Playing tag with three boys. Kind of close. Zero dark thirty. Badass. Kicking ass. See, she's <laughs> consistent. Eleanor Rigby. Um, Perspective. Super depressed in New York. <laughs> Interstellar. Um, Murph saves the world. Saving the world one equation at a time. Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Most violent year. Um, the female godfather. Whoa, that's good. Emasculating Oscar Isaac every day. <laughs> uh, the Martian. Uh, the Martian. Um, saving Matt Damon. Yeah, if it wasn't for me, Matt Damon would still be on Mars. Everybody's <laughs> saving Matt. Two more. Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak, um, I don't know, <laughs> insect murderer. You said, don't worry, dear, drink your tea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised I survived. Uh, see, you did that before, uh, what was it, Get Out. You, know, you, were, you were doing the poisonous oh, tea before. Yeah. And then Miss Sloan. Oh, Miss Sloan. Um, let's see, Miss Sloan. <laughs> Probably, maybe I said... Miss Smith goes to Washington. That's good. Changing the world one pantsuit at a time. Pretty no? good. Oh, and then let's close it. Zookeeper's wife. Full circle. Zookeeper's wife. Um, the Okay, what can you say? The interspecies love story. Wow, that's heavy. That's a perfect place to leave it. Thanks so much, Jessica. Zookeeper's wife, Jessica Chastain, Daniel Brule. Go see it. It's a piece of history that we should all know about, that we don't know about. So thank you so much for making it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.
I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.